Sup students, welcome to With You, where we seek to grow deeper in our relationship with God together. Even though we're not with you, we're with you. We're your hosts, Phoebe and Tony. Yesterday, we cracked open our passage for this week as we look at Matthew 17, 1 through 8, which is the transfiguration of Jesus. And we prayed together and left you with the question of asking to consider what would it be like to, to know that you are in the family of God. And so today we hope to seek to understand a little bit more about what happened in the background of this unique passage. So historically, the church has referred to this moment as the transfiguration. And I'm guessing that many of us don't really use that word in our daily lives. So what does that really mean? Well, the image that pops into my head when I hear transfiguration is a, a transformer, you know, like a robot, uh, like a robot that mm-hmm. turns into a vehicle like a Segway. And maybe that begins to help us to wrap our mind around it. You got that word transfigure or changing changing your figure, changing your appearance. And that's what happens before the disciples' eyes in verse 2. Look at it here. It goes, and he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Here Jesus is revealing his true identity, his true glory to the disciples. But not only that, (laughs) there's also two (laughs) dead guys present. We got Moses and Elijah hanging out. Whoa, there is a lot going on here. And I can imagine that this moment was exhilarating and confusing and beautiful all at once. And Obviously, Jesus was capable of this all along. So why did he choose this moment in his life, in his ministry to be transfigured? Well, I'm not 100% positive, Phoebe, but I have a hunch. In Matthew 16, which is the previous chapter, we see that Jesus takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. And seemingly, he takes them there just to ask this question, who do you say that I am? Well, it seems to be that he takes them there because... Caesarea Philippi was known for a lot of idol worship, a lot of false gods, a lot of temples. And so Jesus wants to go there to say, a lot of people believe they know who God is, but who do you say that I am? And it's in this place where Peter stands up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Ding, 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 (laughs) correct answer, right? And Jesus affirms uh, Peter in that moment. But not only that, in the next chapter, he wants to also show Peter He takes them up to this mountaintop. And so we see that Peter, James, and John get to see that Jesus is the Son of God, but also hear it as the Father affirms Jesus' identity once again as the beloved Son of the Father. We see that Jesus is incredibly intentional with what he does, with everything he does. And so what is the significance behind why Moses and Elijah are there? Yeah, there definitely is significance. And really, if we consider that uh, both of them being there uh, was important, it's probably because it's trying to emphasize that the Old Testament points forward and affirms Jesus's true identity. Track with me here. We've got Moses, who is, his story takes place in Exodus and uh, Deuteronomy and Numbers, some of the first books of the Bible. And the thing that he's most known for was bringing the law or the, the way of life for God's people to God's people. That's what God used him for. And that's what he was really famous for. So you got the law, the guy who brought the law present. Then you also have the prophets. You've got Elijah, who's one of the most well-known prophets in the Old Testament. He actually, uh, in uh, first Kings, you find out, or in second Kings, you find out he actually never dies. Um, (laughs) And uh, you've got uh, this guy taken up to heaven because of how faithful he was. He was God's mouthpiece to to bring God's word and judgment to, to Israel. And so you've got the 
the law and the prophets, really most of the Old Testament present saying, yeah, this guy is legit and they're there for a reason. But not only that, something that I think is really spectacular is that both Moses and Elijah knew God well. And people might say that these guys knew God maybe the best out of the people in the Old Testament. And yet they never in their life had a moment like the disciples are having with them before Jesus. You see in Exodus 33, Moses asked God, God, would you show me your glory? And God says, actually, it's too great for you, but I can pass by and then you can look at me afterwards. And then you also have for Elijah in 1 Kings 19, where he encounters God in a very special way, where he encounters God in a whisper, but neither of them had ever seen God's glory face to face. And we see that here, Jesus changes things just by Jesus being there. Something's different. Jesus makes a real relationship with God possible, even for the lowly fishermen. Wow, that is such a good reminder to end on today that Jesus makes it possible to have a real relationship with God. Tomorrow, we'll focus in on the main point by taking this idea one step farther. Remember, let's be real before God and with one another as long as it's called today. It's been great to be with you. Take care.